Have legal questions that need answering? Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Emmanuel Shepherd and Condon. Message us with topics you would be interested in hearing on future episodes of Legally Speaking. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Clay Whitaker, and I'm an attorney with Gulf Coast Adoptions, which is by Emmanuel Shepherd and Condon. And we're so excited to be here, uh, along with my co-host for this episode of Legally Speaking. Uh, with me here today uh, is my wife, Cheryl Whitaker. Can you say hello, Cheryl? Hello. Uh, as well as our adoption caseworker, Stacy Johnson. Can you say hello, Stacy? Hello. Uh, and today we'll be uh, talking about home studies. So uh, let me first talk about a little bit uh, of what Gulf Coast Adoptions is. Cheryl, um, can you talk about um, what Gulf Coast Adoption is and what we do? Well, we are an adoption law firm, and we help expectant mothers um, who have unplanned pregnancies consider adoption. And we go through all of the resources available to them to see if it's a good uh, long-term plan for them. We also work with potential adoptive parents. Um, Those are people that are wanting to adopt, and we help align them with people like Stacy to get the home study and um, profile books um, done, and we host their profiles, and we hope to match them with expectant mothers. Excellent. So Gulf Coast Adoptions, we, t- we primarily do newborn adoptions, but also step-parent, relative, and kinship adoptions. So we get two types of calls. I think Cheryl uh, touched upon those um, very briefly at the intro. We have calls from uh, people wanting to place their children for adoption. So I think you discussed that a little bit. Is there anything else to add just generally about those calls? We have a wide variety of calls from people that want to place children for adoption. Some of the children are already born, um, and then some are just expectant mothers. Um, we get the majority of the calls are also people that want to adopt a relative or a stepchild. Yeah, maybe. stepchild. We get a ton of um, people that want to adopt a stepchild. Um, and then we have just people that are starting the process. And there's a lot of um, initial questions um, when you first start the process. And one of the first things before we go through all of the Um, criteria is to find out if they're even able to pass a home study because that they cannot adopt without that. So that is one of the first requirements for uh, a family uh, who is not a step parent or relative to adopt. Uh, And we typically ask them whether they are home study approved. If they don't know what that is, we commonly pass along their um, information from Stacy to contact them and start that process. So that's how we typically involve that process. But I'm I'm anticipating they, of course, give you a call and we start that home study study process with you. Can you help us take it from the initial phone call of uh, when these, you know, uh, future adoptive parents reach out to you, uh, how that communication goes, and then how that adoption or that home study process actually begins. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So once they call me, um, I get some initial information from them, where they live, um, what question I answer any questions they have first. Uh, a lot of them have a lot of questions about the home study, and I tell them about the process. So we talk about kind of the typical fees for adoption, um, what the home study entails, the the documents that are required for the home study, um, the specific background checks, uh, references, medicals, um, the criteria essentially for them to complete the home study. So a lot of people have some misconceptions thinking that um, they're very hard to pass or um, some something that happened 20 years ago is going to disqualify them. So we talk about that up front. I always ask if they have any criminal history um, and kind of go over that um, before we proceed. So 
Um, the home study typically takes about 30 days from my phone call until um, it's completed as long as we can get together in the next week or so. Um, I give them the, the website to um, see all the documents that are required, and that's something that they that they will have to collect documents. They'll have to get the backgrounds done and um, do some gathering of paperwork, and then we meet in the home. Um, the home visit usually takes about three or four hours, and that includes um, interviews with the entire family, anyone who lives in the home, including children. Uh, includes going over the paperwork, of course, doing a walkthrough of the home, um, and then... Uh, just kind of answering. I tell them all about the adoption process, and sometimes I do that on the phone as well. Um, and then once their home study is completed, I send them back to Cheryl, and I say, hey, they're ready to go. Um, but I'm still always involved, and I help in any way I can with any additional questions after the home study is completed. What's some of the typical documentation that you ask a family to start gathering? I know some of those could be long lead items that might impact the process. So some things people have trouble with is like getting copies of a past divorce decree. If they've ever been married in the past, we need a copy of their current marriage certificate and then divorce decrees if they've ever been divorced. Birth certificates for the whole family, including the children, just copies. We don't need any originals, just um, the copies of those. Um, References people sometimes struggle with. The state of Florida requires five references. Two can be from relatives and then the rest can be friends, um, and they need to know them for two years. So it can't be a rel- someone they met you know, last week. It needs to be someone who really knows them. Um, we have a document that's like kind of has the questions and they can just fill them out. But sometimes the references take a while. And also medical, you know, since COVID happened, um, it's harder to get in to see medical professionals. Um, and we have to have some sort of document stating, hey, they're capable of caring for um, children. So uh, that is something that kind of takes a long time. Um, But other than that, it's just kind of stuff that they have to fill out. It's a lot of paperwork, Um, not too much paperwork, but it does, there is some required paperwork. Mm -hmm. And um, oh, tax returns. So we have to have some financial data as well. Sometimes getting a letter from their employer can take a couple weeks. Um, so that kind of stuff, that's kind of a, a few of those things that they have to start collecting for us. And we, I collect it all at the home visit. Excellent. How long does a home study actually apply for? Is there a cutoff period where you yes. need to renew it? Yes. So there, it's valid for one year. So once that one year, so the date I sign it is the date that it's approved. And then one year from that date, um, uh, if the child is not in the home at that time, then you have to have an updated home study. Okay. So even if you're matched, if you're matched, but your baby's due on month 13, you have to get that home study updated before the baby's born and placed in the home. And what if the the future adoptive couple who's getting this uh, home study, uh, what if circumstances change? You know, loss of a job, moving houses. Thank you for bringing that up. So, um, So it's valid for one year as long as nothing big changes. So if they move, if someone moves in or out of the house, that is an up, that's required an update as well. Change of address um, is an update as well. So any big, big, you know. We wouldn't, if someone changes jobs, we wouldn't necessarily require them to do an update. But if it's, if there's a loss of income and it just really changes their, their household, then we would maybe ask for, hey, let's do an update and make sure everything's still good and, and um, we can still move forward at that time. Okay. And I think you touched upon this at the outset, at least because when, when the adoptive parents call me, they have a lot of these upfront questions for you. And I typically answer them the best I can, but mm-hmm. I, I ultimately say, 
uh, you need to talk to Stacy. Um, but some of those questions are, what factors could exclude me from being an adoptive parent? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't think of my experience, there's any, you know, huge red flags. There are some items that could be troublesome, but can you talk about some of those misconceptions again of, uh, might, might have a small criminal item 20 yes. years ago and how that really impacts the adoption process? Yes. Yeah, so any really egregious um, criminal background, like murder, um, sexually violent crimes um, that have, if you're convicted of you know of that, that could be a disqualifier. So we really want to know about it up front because our background checks are very thorough. So our the fingerprint is is FBI and FDLE, and um, it even sometimes shows up if you were arrested when you were 17. So the biggest thing is to be honest up front because I don't <laughs> want to take their money if they're not going to be approved. Um, so I always ask about the criminal stuff initially. Um, and then also if they've had a felony conviction in the last five years for um, selling some 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 big drugs like meth or something like that like that could be a disqualifier if it's within the last five years sure. so there are lifetime disqualifiers like murder sexual violence child abuse would also be a disqualifier um, and then the only other that's an automatic disqualifier or pretty much is is child abuse if they have a history of child abuse Certainly. Um, and that's something we that's part of our background checks as well and um, we would know that you know they, they're required to fill out a paperwork we send it to the Department of Children and Families and then we get the results from that Okay. Um, the, the one always interested me, and um, as you know, Cheryl and I are adopted parents, so we had to go through all this process and get all the documents, but the references was always uh, difficult because you're asking people to more or less vouch for you and right. t you know, t explain to someone else why I should be a good parent. So um, I, I know you talked about the ability to get those back timely is, is one of the things typically, but is there any other, uh, how, how does that process actually go? Do you, I think you said you might give them a form for them to fill out, or is it something that they just draft a letter and you you tell them if it needs to be a little bit more, a little bit less yeah, inclusive? So, and every home study provider is different. <clears throat> We're very flexible. So we, do, we did provide, we provide a document that they can fill out. And if they don't like ours, we're happy to accept just a letter from them. The biggest things they have to be dated and they have to be signed. Um, but we're not, they don't have to use our specific document. Um, it asks a lot about like your personalities, your relationship. Um, if you have parenting experience, what kind of parents you're like, what, what you're like. And that's the thing. A lot of our families that are adopting are not parents yet. So how do you really evaluate or how do you vouch for them? Right. Sure. But, um, but a lot of our families have needs nieces and nephews, they have friends with children, and, and hopefully these people that are completing the references have seen them around other children. So they do put that in there. And then at, there's one of our questions is like, if, if something were to happen to you, would you feel comfortable placing your children with this couple? Like, I mean, that's a big, big thing, right? Um, so that's one of our questions. <laughs> Ever get a no to that question? <laughs> <laughs> Not typically, no. No, okay. I think I've had like one time many years ago, there was there was kind of a negative reference and I had to meet with the mom um, and have, I had lunch with her one day and I'm like, hey, this is what I got back. Can we talk about this? And um, it was a big, a big thing. And she was like, how could someone do this? You know, <laughs> and I couldn't, I didn't disclose who it was, but I think out of like eliminating, you know, other things, she ended up figuring it out. But um, so that was an interesting situation. I it's not very common. Usually you pick people who you who know are going to say you good would, things, right? So, you would hope so. Yeah. Um, but it could be a telling if they don't. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, very interesting. So, of course, you know, we, we work closely with you when we uh, families need home studies. We send them your way. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so for us, once we get a, an approved home study from a provider, uh, we're not looking for too much specific criteria. For example, how long you've lived in Florida or your finances or the size of your homes. But I know you often work with other adoption 
agencies or law firms that do. Is there any, you know, unique things that you see versus, you know, that some people accept and some people do not? Yes, absolutely. So there are some agencies that require um, uh, adoptive parents to be married a certain time. Um, some of them have a two-year minimum. Um, some agencies require a specific religious affiliation or um, something about going to church. Um, some require you to sign something saying you will never use any type of corporal punishment. Um, so yeah, every agency can, can kind of, they can choose. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They can say, Hey, we want, this is a minimum for us where it, it not, it's not necessarily for the state of Florida or for Sunshine State or you guys, but it could be for another agency. So that's something important that adoptive uh, future adoptive parents need to consider is yeah. you know, the, the requirements of who's going to accept it and who's not. That's right. And I, and I mentioned that when I, in the part of the questionnaire that the families fill out when I'm going over it with them, we, corporal punishment is a question. And I, and if they, whether they check yes or no, I say, you know, have you selected an agency? Have you asked them the requirements yet? Because you, if you are considering corporal punishment, um, there are some agencies that won't even look at you, you know? Sure. So. Well, I was going to maybe transition into um, the good time of after placement in yeah. a second, but Cheryl, I didn't know if you had any additional questions regarding that initial home study process that parents at least pose to you uh, often that we already haven't covered. No, I think you covered everything. Okay, well, let's talk you about did a good job. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the good time after the adoption yeah, placement has taken the place. And yeah. we, we place the child, and of course, they need to, to communicate with you afterwards because there's something called post placement visits. So, can you t talk to us a little bit of? you know, generally what that is and then down to the, the details of what you do on those visits. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so once a baby is placed in the home in the state of Florida, the baby has to be there for 90 days before finalization can occur. So within those 90 days, we have to do a minimum of two post-placement um, uh, post placement visits. And I say a minimum of two because typically with an attorney, it's two. But if a child comes from another state and there's an agency, it can sometimes be more. So I don't want anyone to think I only have to do two because sometimes there is more required. Or if there's any type of issue and we want to follow the family a little bit longer, um, then we could require more post-placements as well. But a post-placement visit includes, I mean, it's a its a home visit to the home. I get to see the, the child and the family and see them um, talk about how their attachment's going, how, um, how, I, I, I get my, um, you know, I find out what the baby weighed when they were born, how um, long they were, their head circumference, if they have APGAR scores, I get that. And then over those two place placements, I show the growth of the baby. That's very important. I make sure that they've seen a pediatrician timely and um, on schedule. Um, we talk about, again, their, their attachment, how mom and dad are feeling, because um, it can be difficult for it's a big transition for them as well as this baby. So I ask, you know, do they need anything? Are they, are they feeling good? Um, are they meeting the baby's needs? How often is the baby eating and how much is the baby eating? Um, uh, we talk about tummy time. We talk about safe sleep and ensuring the baby is put on the back to sleep. Um, we, I ask about milestones. So each, each visit I'm showing, you know, the girth of the baby and the, um, the, the attachment and, and just how the baby's doing. And, and that's a written report that goes to the court uh, for finalization to occur. So it is required. Um, it's not something we can get out of. Um, and it's my favorite time is being there and seeing the babies and seeing the families and the smiles know. and the joy yes, that's, yes. that's going on. Totally. So uh, do all these visits have to be in person? I know during COVID, we were obviously scrambling. Yeah. Can some of these be by Zoom or is that you know, yes. not an option. It, it, it is an option as long as the um, the entity 
facilitating the adoption approves it. So um, if they're local, I always, of course, try to see them in person. Um, obviously, if someone's sick or something like that, or if they're scared because the baby's so new. I mean, I always ask, would you like me to wear a mask? I'm totally fine with that if that's more comfortable for them because of COVID. Um, so they should be in person, but if there is a certain circumstance or whatever, it can be via Zoom. I have a Zoom account, so I can always do them via Zoom, but I always like to have at least one in person out of the two at a minimum. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, at least for the attorney perspective, when I get the home study, as you mentioned, I, I file those with the court and at our finalization hearing for the, the adoption, the court specifically, typically acknowledges reading those, talks about the progress of the family. So I know those are very important. Yeah. Uh, these are not just check a box and everyone's right. going to be happy. Uh, we need to see progress being made. We need to see a bond and attachments right. being made. And uh, the court will and the judge will specifically go over those and, and discuss those with them. Uh, we talked about documentation, at least for the um, home study process. Is there any documentation that the parents need to provide you for this post-placement? The only thing I would ask, like, is, like, just to see medical documents. It doesn't if, – if they – Sometimes it's on their phone or sometimes they haven't gotten it yet and I, I can let them text it to me later, but I like to just see like a follow-up, that's it. And I don't take a copy of it. I just want to, you know, see that it's there. And and typically it shows the weight and the height or the length. So that's the best because they're like, I don't remember, but here here's a document. <laughs> so I look at that. Um, there's not really any other documentation that's required. It's more just like a conversation and, and, and visiting and stuff like that. Sure. So I, I think that covers mostly of what you do for both the home study and the post-placement. Is there anything else yeah. that we, we could be missing that should be discussed a little bit more in depth? I don't think so. I mean, I just, I'm always, for my families, I, I never go away. If they ever need me, I'm always there to like continue to support them or, or you know, help along the way. So well, that was my next question. Yeah. I, I know that's the paperwork process. That's yeah. what we absolutely need to have. But I know you do a lot of just uh, communication yes. and relationship building. That's what Cheryl does a lot at Gulf Coast Adoptions too. So tell us a little bit about that. I know we obviously had the beginning part that you're involved in, and then hopefully you're obviously involved in the, the end part uh, when placement happens. But I know you're available throughout that process too. Can you just talk about how those interactions go? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I, I tell my families all the time, like if you guys have any questions, I'm available pretty much 24 seven. If I don't respond, I will as soon as I can. Um, text, call, email. I'm always um, trying to respond as quickly as I can. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. I lost my train of thought just then. Hold on. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm just available whenever they need me and um, happy to help in any way I can. Excellent. I know it, it takes a village to, to get these things completed and yes. everyone's involved and it's it's amazing when it all comes together. Yeah, it is. Uh, Cheryl, is there anything about home studies or post-placement visits that you often, when you talk to adoptive couples, that is very important that we just haven't touched upon yet? Well, a lot of uh, people think that the foster care and private adoption home study is the same or that they'd be able to use them um, um, for yeah. foster care. And that's not the case. It's not yeah. the case. Yeah. So with, when you adopt from foster care, I can still do the home studies for foster care, but they are you're required to do a specific training. And so I cannot complete that home study until they've completed that training. So there are two different, there's a, a state, you know, uh, foster, adoption from foster care, and then there's the private home study. So yeah, they are required to do um, uh, training as well. That's training through the state. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you refer them to them. They they yeah. complete that portion and they come back to you. There is an option to pay for a private uh, entity to complete the training, but the state does offer it for free. Excellent. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, I think this pretty much covers all the home study and the post-placement visits. Um, I know when we ever have questions, we pick up the phone and call you, and I uh, I think you answer probably more than you should, but uh, we appreciate that. But um, if y'all have any, if you'd like to add anything else, please let me know. But this is Stacey Johnson. Can, how do we get a hold of you if I or yeah. I guess someone in the public it, needs to contact you? Yeah, if anyone has any questions about home studies or adoption in general, um, I've been doing this for 15 years also, I should note. Um, so they can call my cell phone. Uh, my number is 850-686-5970. Um, they can email me, which is stacy at sunshinehomestudy.org, or just look at the website, which is sunshinehomestudy.org. So. Excellent. Well, um, uh, thank you, Stacy. Yeah. Thank you, Cheryl. We really appreciate you being here, uh, sitting with us today and answering some of the questions uh, about home studies and the post-placement visits. Uh, and we want, want to thank all our listeners uh, for listening to this episode of Legally Speaking. Uh, make sure to tune into our upcoming episodes for more insider advice on all your legal needs. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.